here we are with Dan McGowan, the man himself, Bedford's finest. How are we doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, fella. Not too bad. How are you finding training in lockdown? You managed to stay sane? You managed to get stuff done? Yeah, I'm, to be honest, I'm still working and stuff. So um, I, I do, I roof in the day as well now. So um, I'm still, I'm still kind of busy. And um, but training wise, I'm, I'm actually, tra- I'm probably in, probably the best shape I've been in in a while because I'll, I, I was, I've been out for, with injury for a while. So my training's been a bit like stop and start. But um, yeah, I've been training most days and I'm trying to keep in shape and ready ready for when the lockdown's kind of over and I want to get back in the mix and start taking people out again. So, so I don't undersell you. Give us your accolades. What belts and titles and stuff before we get into the origin and the rest of it? Who is Dan McGowan? Dan McGowan yep. is... Uh, Dan McGowan. So, two-time world champion at the moment. Um, to be honest, them belts are at a weight probably that I won't be able to make anymore anyway. So, uh, but that was the Muay Thai Grand Prix World Championship at 55 kilo. And then I got the ICO world title that was at 55 kilo as well. So I'm um, super bantam weight. But I'm moving up to, I can't make that weight probably anymore. So 57 kilo is probably my weight I'm going to start fighting at. Um, but yeah, and then I was the UK number one bantam weight. I won that when I was 18 years old. And I, I kind of, I never. I've never been beaten for the UK number one spot. I got, I got um, stripped of it just because of inactivity through injury and stuff. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't lost a fight in in the UK or against any Europeans or anyone non-Thai except from once in America and and in Japan. But the Japan fight was a bit of a weird decision. Um, so yeah, against non-Thais, I'm, I'm basically nearly unbeaten. So um, yeah. I'll that's that that's me. Well, that's me, huh? So let's go into yeah, exactly. the exactly. origin of all So how did you get into Muay Thai in the first place? So I did Taekwondo when I was a kid. So I went. I just went to a local Taekwondo class. Um, I think a leaflet come through the door. I, I, I'm actually originally from Luton, and the leaflet come through the door, and I just gave it a try. Uh, my dad took me. I was. I think I was literally. I, I was four years old. I think turning five. So I went to the class and I, I enjoyed it. I liked the kind of physical activity and stuff like that. So um, I kept that going and I did that for about five years. But I was entering competitions. And when you're doing the competitions in Taekwondo, it's, it's light contact. So if you hit hard if, or if you hurt someone, you um you get penalized for it. So I kept getting disqualified and stuff like that. So I said to my dad, I, I need to find something that... It's a little bit more full contact because I enjoy doing it, but I don't want to keep getting penalised for hitting too hard. It kind of defeats the object. I wanted to get kind of stuck in. So um, I then found a local gym in Luton called Crusader. Um, they they have gyms. They have, had a little little setup in Luton and in Milton Keynes. So I started there, and then that was like that. It wasn't full on Muay Thai. Though. It was like kickboxing. They did other stuff. Kickbox and they did um like sticks like loads of different martial arts they they done loads of different stuff then i moved to bedford when i was about 11 and i moved to east area gym and that was that was when my kind of tie boxing career properly started when i 
focus fully just on Muay Thai. Um, and then, yeah, then, I've, then I trained with Lee, then I moved out of East Area when I was 14. I moved to Liam's gym and then kind of never looked back since. And I've been going to Thailand and doing loads of different things since. So yeah, my, um, that's, that's how it all kind of started. And that's where I am kind of now. So talk us through training with um, Liam and like bad company and stuff. Do you have to make those noises when you hit the pads? Is that like what Liam teaches you? Cause you see him on Instagram, um, man, it's crazy. That's mad. Nah. Yeah, nah, he, you know what? I spar with him and um, he's, he's lightning quick. So maybe, maybe to be honest, the, the noises probably work because fucking hell, he's well quick. But um, yeah, training with him is, 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 is pretty mad because I remember when I was first started Thai boxing and I was going to shows and he was like, he was like my hero, a UK fighter fighting ties and beating ties and beating all the top names and flying around the world. So he was like kind of my idol. And um, now I'm really good mates with him and I, I train with him quite a bit now. And I'm, I'm obviously moving to a bad company gym and fighting at a bad company gym when I um, come back to the fight scene. So yeah, it's really, it's, I mean, it's the best move probably for my career um, having someone like that kind of, by my side, helping me train and kind of sparring, padding me, clinching, and and just the extra motivation as well. When seeing people like him kind of smashing it gives me the, the motivation to, to do the same. And that's what I'm trying to just follow his footsteps. I've, so far in my career, I've done kind of similar to what Liam's done. So when I was young, I went to Thailand for a long stint on my own. <clears throat> I, I tried building my name in Thailand. And then that's like with that's come a little bit more clout internationally as well so um i'm just trying to follow his footsteps to be honest and um he's a real, real successful he's a, probably one of the most successful muay thai fighters not ju- not as in just his record and stuff like that it's the like business wise he's doing so well he's he's been on joe rogan's podcast he's been on like he's, he's smashing it he's flying all around the world. so yeah it's good to have someone like that beside me motivating me and um yeah just trying to follow in his footsteps is what, I, what i'm planning on doing well, it's not quite Joe Rogan just yet, but you know, we're, we're building there, we're getting there. But um, so talk us through going, yeah, to, one day, um, one day. Talking to, like, going to like Thailand on your own, that kind of, how old were you when you did that? Because that's quite a big thing to do. Yeah, so I went, I went originally with my dad. I was, I just turned 15 I, and that was the first time I went to Thailand. I only went for two weeks um, and I had a fight out there and it was my first professional fight actually. I actually just wrote a blog about it. I've got a website coming up and stuff. So I just wrote a blog about that. And it's a bit of a mad story. Looking back on it, I'm thinking, why did my dad let me do that? <laughs> but to be honest, it's made my, it's kind of made me who I am, to be honest. And it's put my career, where my career is now, it's kind of from the stints in Thailand and from the fights in Thailand. That's what people kind of know me as at the moment is the, the, like the UK fighter that went to Thailand and fought in the stadiums and stuff. So, um, yeah, I went when I was 15, had a fight there, and then I went back after my GCSEs. I finished my GCSEs, and I didn't even go to my school prom. I went, I literally got my GCSE results, and I went the next day, or I think a couple of days later, I went to Thailand for two months on my own. Um, but I went with two, well, I went with two friends, but they were they were both the same age as me as well. So, um, and we went out to train for two months, and I had a few fights there when I was there, and then come back, and then I went again. A few few months later for a, I think I went for three months and um was it three months yeah it was, I think it's right or, or no sorry I went a few months later for a few weeks and that's when I went to Petch and D gym and that's when I first discovered Petch and D so I, 
I think I was um, 15 or 16 when I went to Petch and D. And then, um, then I went again for three months. I've done, now I've done so many stints, I've actually forgotten how many I've done. I've done months here, three months, six months, seven months, eight months. But I've done it, I've done it all alone when I was young from 16 up until now. So um, it's, to be honest, it's made me, I love Thailand and the training, it's, it's kind of made me the fighter I am as well with the help of others like, like Liam Robinson was like my main, Liam Robinson and Palm Pet were my main kind of guys that really pushed my career on, but going to Petch and D and stuff was like the, where that propelled my career and um, my name, like built my name like really well. But um, yeah, training at Petch and D is like in Thailand with like the likes of Sane, Nongo, they've got like 30, they've got 30 to 40 fighters there and they're all like, most of my top 10 ranked in the stadiums in Thailand. so. The training was amazing and um it, i was improving day by day there so yeah thailand's really really helped me um with my fight career and i can't wait to go back to be fair just i won't i won't go out for as long periods anymore but i can't wait to go back and get back in the gym out there and um smash the pads and stuff there at least not at the minute anyway with everything going on but talk us through um there's quite a few things i want to go into with that so obviously training with those kind of guys is that the main reason you like training out in thailand Obviously, there's going to be other smaller elements, but regards to the physical training side, is it something that's something they're doing over there? They're not doing here. What? Just talk us a little bit more of the training yeah. process. Yeah. So, I yeah, it, that is the reason I go because there's so many. So people go and they want a good pad man and stuff, and which, which yeah, you want a good pad man, obviously, when you go go out there. But the main reason I go is, and since I first started going to Thailand, was to improve in the clinch. Um, the ties hands down the strongest have you been to thailand before no nah, no yeah i really want to still i'm trying to get a trip booked it's a bit difficult especially at the minute with everything going on yeah well if you get a chance go you and you'll you'll find out how strong how strong they are in the clinches they're in, insane um but it's not just the strength it's the it's the technique how the, the hands and their arms and how they're grabbing your head and like dictating how you're moving it's it's mad and their their experience in the clinch is second to none so i go out there mainly is is to kind of focus on the clinch because a lot of european fighters or western fighters they kind of um neglect the clinch a little bit so i was when i started going to thailand i was coming back to england and i was fighting against english people or european people and i was smashing them in the clinch i was stopping people like a lot in the clinch when i was young when i started fighting professionally actually I just grab hold of them and my clinch was so strong compared to that. So that's the main reason I, that's one of the main reasons I go to Thailand is to improve my clinch game and try and make that as strong as possible. So when I come back to like to Europe, I, I can kind of dominate in the clinch as well. So yeah, that that's probably definitely the main thing for me why I go to Thailand. Plus, plus the trainers are all, most of the trainers are um, ex-champions as well. So you're getting little bits of knowledge from so many different people and um just being around people like, like I said, like, Sa, like Sa Mei Nongo, like again, some of my idols, being around them every day, it, it just pushed me on and up and up and up. And, and that's how that's how I think I got better. What was the atmosphere like when you first started going over? Obviously as a Westerner and it must be quite, I can only imagine like being quite, not territorial, but a bit sort of, you know, you're an outsider coming in to take their knowledge as such. How, how was that initial interaction? Um... So I feel like I'm quite lucky because I train with Palm Pet, 
so so Palm Palm was ex Rajadamnan champion, um, was one of the most exciting fighters in Thailand at, in his time. So he's he's a superstar out there. So he he always kind of helped. He always sorted me out. So if I ever needed anything, he'd speak to the gym owners, and everybody knows who he is. So um, when I went out there the first time, I went to the gym that he he was fighting for when he was back when he was fighting Sassy Prapar gym, and they treated me to be honest. They treated me like I was their family to be honest. So I, there was no there was no there was never never any um. They never tried to mark their territory or anything. Saying that though, some of the younger Thai fighters, I don't know if they mark their territory, but they kind of test you a little bit. So, especially again in the clinch and stuff, they they'll test you and they'll they'll try they'll or they will throw you about and out and they'll kind of talk about you to the other Thais and you can tell they're talking about you. But other than that, it's, it's not. It wasn't too bad. They they treated me like family. And and same goes with Petch and D. Petch and D. The same thing. I I went to Petch and D and I got on so well with the owners and with with everyone there. So um and the trainers. So it's it's like a second home to me now. So I've never yeah never really had much problems in that in that sense. Every now and then some of the like some of the ties would say stuff in Thai and they'll be speaking to each other and, and I picked up a bit a bit of language over the years and I knew they were chatting maybe a little bit about me but. Other than that, it was not, nothing malicious. I don't think ever. It was always everyone always kind of treated me like family and, and kind of helped me out and and yeah, always really good to me. Regards of fighting out of there, then how did you feel? Like say your debut out there was that your first like, Muay Thai fight you've ever had? Was that just the first one you've had in Thailand? What, what was the situation with that? Uh, so I, I had um I had amateur or junior fights. Um, before I went to Thailand, so I, I think I might have had like 20, 25 to 30 junior fights, maybe, maybe around that number anyway. Um, and then I went to Thailand, and Thailand was my first professional fight. Um, and yeah, it was it was a mad experience. Like, because my first my first professional fight was in Rajadamnan Stadium, stadium. So it's like the, the biggest or, or the most famous stadium mm. in Thailand. So yeah, it was. It's mad, man. It's proper mad. It's um. Through, like that whole it build-up in itself. Obviously, knowing you're going to fight in this big show, this is your first professional fight. How was, like, the nerves, excitement? How did you feel about everything? Yeah. So, like, nerves, nerves wise, I was like 50. I just turned 15, and you know, you got that fearless mentality. You don't, you don't give a shit about anything when you're that age. Like, you're not, you're not really that bothered. I mean, you, obviously, I got a little bit nervous and stuff, but I, I wasn't. I'd probably think more about things now, and I'm a lot more experienced now. Like I'd think, you, when you're a little bit older, you think how dangerous certain things can be, or like certain fights. So, you watch some of these fights. They're like, say they got a big punch. Now I probably analyse that a bit more than when I was 15. I didn't give a shit. Like I just kind of done it, and and just got it done. But um, yeah, the build up. I just trained. To be honest, I just always I trained my ass off all the time, even when I was a kid, and um. I was just really excited to fight. I, I, I love, I love Muay Thai. I've, all, I've always loved it. So, um, and Radovan Nun was my like lifetime goal. It wasn't. I mean, doing that at 15, I, I don't think I would have ever imagined doing it at such a young age. But um, that was like a lifetime goal to fight in Radovan Nun. So, yeah, I was, I was proper, proper excited. Um, a little bit nervous on the day, but nothing, nothing too mad. I, I never. I'm, I'm always quite calm. Be honest, usually, but um, yeah, 
it was an amazing, an amazing achievement and feeling when I when I fought there and when I won as well. So yeah. A bit of context for anyone listening: the Rajaman is the equivalent of like Wembley <laughs> for like football and stuff. It's like you know yeah. the place to be. So there you are. You've not not as, not as luxurious. Uh, this is it. Well, this is it. So you've had your first professional fight, your first win. Then what? So regards of um, a few things. So rule set wise, forgive my ignorance with this. So because I know the different classes of things. So pro is that knees and elbows to the head? Is that everything, or is there certain yeah, that... breakouts? Damage wise, what was the damage after that? How did you feel any injuries, anything like that? Um. Oh, so that. Bearing enough, that was one thing. Sorry, like, I, I kind of didn't say this in the last question that you asked. Is um, I was a bit nervous about the shin on shin because I've never done it before. So I was thinking, surely that will hurt, and and surely, <laughs> surely that's going to kill me. But so many people have reassured me that when you find it doesn't, you can't really feel it too much. It, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as it looks. Um, and in the fight didn't it literally didn't hurt i remember i actually felt like i was kicking with like shin pads on it didn't i didn't really feel it too much at all in the fight but i think afterwards i my shins were a little bit a little bit um bashed up but again i don't think they were that bad when i was at when i was that age i, I don't know whether it's because you're not kicking as hard so you're not damaging damaging them as much because i didn't have as much power i was only like 43 kilo or something like that so um I don't know if that kind of plays a plays a part in why I wasn't so sore because I've been a lot I've had a lot I'm a lot more experienced now and I've had a lot worse injuries and shit like my shins have been a lot worse since then and so um, but yeah injury wise I was I was actually alright um, I kind of coped, to be honest the fight I kind of coasted it and I, I I won every round I think really and I didn't really t- take too much damage so um, yeah I was I was quite cool after the fight to be honest I was I was quite happy about it. There's a few other things with that. Obviously, fighting a Thai in Thailand in regiment and everything else. How? What was the initial feeling of that? Because you could only imagine that unless you stop them, you might get some sort of biased decision, almost, or some sort of, you know, home advantage. Um. I, you know what? I, I was. I'd always watched. I'm, I'm like addicted to Thai boxing. So, and I have been since I started. So. I'll, like I'll get in from work and stuff, and not, or or back then it was school, and I'd put YouTube on my um, iPad, and I'd just be watching fights constantly. It's always, I always used to love watching the ties, um, and I used to think they look they look invincible. They're they're just so strong that they block it. They're shin on shin. The, the way they kick, the way they pinch in, their elbow, and, and and they always had a poker face. They didn't ever really show a lot in their exp- facial expression. So. That was um, one thing I was, I think I had, had that kind of mentality that the tyres were unbeatable. And when I was 15, I kind of didn't really care. I think I just went for it. And um, then after that fight, I realised that if I train just as hard, if not harder than them, and, and I love it, I, I know I love it more than them. Like, this is, this, I choose to do this. They don't. They, they have to do it. And um, so I know that if I train hard... I've passion for it. They're only human. They're they're just like us. They they're all beatable. And um, I kind of think I developed that me- mentality after that that first fight in Thailand. And then I've just stuck with that mentality ever since. It's mo- to be honest, I think I've only lost a couple of times in Thailand. Maybe and I've fought in Thailand probably about 15, 16 times. 
And I'm, I've never lost in the stadiums, in, in the two main stadiums, Lumpini and Rajland. I'm unbeaten in them two stadiums. So I think having that mentality and just going for it and training hard, having that strong mind, bulletproof mindset, I think you can, anyone can beat the Tigers. It's, you just got to, you got to know the game. You got to be mentally strong, and you got you got to show no respect in the ring. And um, that's what I kind of got out of that first fight: is no respect in the ring. Show the respect after, but in the ring, it's just business. Go for it. Now that's quite a mature thing to sort of take, especially being 15 as well. Because another thing to point out with this is that you're at an age where people are like doing the GCSEs and like smoking weed in car parks or whatever else they do. Whereas you're out in Thailand, you're grafting off your own back at your own sort of passion. What was that like? Surely you must have been just exhausted all the time and also trying to get your school work done and everything else. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It's weird because looking back on it now, yeah, I probably should have been, but I just, I'd have loved, I loved it. I just loved everything about it. And I was actually with Liam Robinson. So I moved to Liam Robinson when I was uh, 14. And I used to go to Northampton uh, four times a week. And I, at some points, I used to say if my mum and dad had like their work kind of shift patterns were, couldn't like where, worked out where they couldn't kind of take me to training. I'd even get the bus from Bedford to Northampton um, to go train, and it was long. I used I used to get in sometimes at like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and then have to go to school the next day and stuff. And it was it was pretty long, but I never cared. I loved it. I as soon as I finished school, I couldn't wait to go to Thai boxing. I couldn't wait to train. I, I just loved everything about it and um same even when I was in Thailand I, just, I loved the training it was it was so hot and it was really hard but I loved the feel kind of afterwards when I've come out of that session you feel so good about every like you feel good so good about yourself you, you sweat it out you, the endorphins are going like it's, I just don't know I just love everything about it to be honest and um I always have and even even as a kid I, I never even thought about it I never really thought oh no other kids are doing this. I just kind of cracked on and just done it without even really thinking. And that, yeah, now looking back at now I'm a little bit older and wiser. It is, yeah, it's pretty, it's a mad story. And um, it's pretty mad how the, that I had that mentality kind of subconsciously. I didn't even think about it. I had that kind of fight mentality with you without even, without even thinking, even when I was 14, 15. So yeah, that was, that's, uh, I just didn't really ever think about it. I just kind of got on with it. I mean, that probably gave a lot of reason why you, we're doing that kind of thing as well because if you start over analyzing those things that's when you can start talking yourself out of this kind of stuff but i mean hit the ground yeah. running with what you're doing you've you've stuck with it but i mean the real question i've got with all this is regards to the training because it's always you know there's intense pad sessions intense sparring all this kind of stuff how do you structure like a fight camp like say now with everything you've sort of learned in your experience like intensity wise and that kind of stuff um, so I mean, when when I go, uh, the last, because I've, I've obviously broke my hand about a year and a half ago. So I've been out, out, of, out of action for about a year and a half. And before that, I was going to Thailand to train. And it's a little bit different. When you're in Thailand, you, um, you kind of just get told what you're doing by the trainers. And sometimes, so how I, right, so how I'd structure it if I was, I was kind of planning it myself would be, one day intense the second day a little bit more relaxed intense and do it like that and 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 do five six days a week and um and then have a good have a good rest so you're recovering whereas the ties they they're just overworked they're overworked they they're constantly there 
we're running in the mornings 10, 10 to 12 kilometers or 10 to yeah 10 to 12 13 kilometers every morning going back to the gym hitting the bag doing your strength kind of strength and conditioning work core core workouts and stuff like that eating sleeping then waking up then you're doing you go down you do your pad work and the pad work in Petch and D we were doing 10 minute rounds at one point 10 minute rounds three rounds <laughs> 20 kicks each leg at the start of the rounds 20 kicks at the end 20 kicks each leg at the end of each round then you're half an hour clinching then you're going and doing sprints incline sprints on the treadmills then you're doing about a million press-ups and sit-ups oh is that it <laughs> so thailand yeah thailand's thailand's tough like i'd say they're still a little bit behind on the kind of science scientific kind of side of things where but to be honest Petch and d are good because they have a sports science trainer but I think still there's still that traditional kind of training that's always worked for the ties. So a lot of the ties, even with the, the sports science trainer, he kind of the gym owners and the trainers, they still kind of keep a lot of that traditional side because it's worked for years. So why why kind of break it if it's if it's not broken? Do you know what I mean? So or why, why fix it if it's not broken? So um yeah, but if I was doing it myself, if I was kind of now I'm now going to be training in England for my fights. I'll probably do like my run in the mornings. I'll do my running, um, sprint work, a lot more sprints, um, interval sprints, and um, and a lot more strength and conditioning. Because in Thailand as well, I was I was just always too fat to to be able to do them strength and conditioning training sessions because we just overworked constantly. And then you're fighting every month, once a month. So um, yeah, I do a lot more strength and conditioning training, and then um. I just structure it a bit better where I'd be getting a little bit more recovery time because that is obviously a lot that that's a lot to do with like how that's important really it's just as important as, as training hard um I've, I've nearly lost fights which I shouldn't have lost because probably overwork working so um yeah I think just getting the balance when I come back to fight again getting the balance doing doing it right scientifically as well and and getting yeah getting everything right getting everything into my training like I said the strength the the pads that run in the you name it, the sparring so yeah just getting the balance i think this is what i'm going to kind of structure it like when i'm when i'm back uh, back in action what's the um weight cut like out in thailand to so say like your first couple of fights what was your like weight opposed to what you were fighting at was there much in it so my weight cut when i first started because i was young i didn't really cut too much weight um i might just had to like skip skip a meal the night before the weigh-in and 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 skip breakfast and stuff like that and, and just I, I kind of make the weight just through training um but it's hard in thailand because it's on the day so you, you weigh in the same day as the fight in the stadium so um i did some horrendous weight cuts out there real bad ones i'll I, I tell you the, the worst one i've done was in 2000 18 I went out to fight and I was supposed to fight at 55 kilo which is my which was my preferred weight um but I went out and I was actually training in Thailand to fight in China against he was actually Lumpini and Channel 7 champion uh, from Thailand Wan Chulong and that was scheduled at 54 55 kilo I think but the whole event got cancelled and I already went to Thailand to train for it so then I said to Petch and D to try and get me a fight because obviously I didn't want to waste a whole trip 
um, they said, oh, we can get you a fight, but you have to make 53 kilo because that's the only fight we can get you. So I managed to basically for a week before the fight, just sweatsuit in the morning. So sweatsuit, you know, the tie oil, have you so Vaseline and tie oil, sweatsuit on, and eight o'clock in the morning, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, uh, go jogging, and mate, you lose. And at this at this point as well, it was, I think it's about 30, 35 degrees. Oh. <laughs> um, you you lose about two two three kilo in a run. Like this, so it starts off. So I was about sixty kilo, and I had to get down to fifty three. And that this was on the Monday, and I, I was fighting on the Friday, and I was sixty kilo on the Monday because I was supposed to be fighting a bit lighter, uh, a bit bit heavier. So I had, I had, yeah, seven kilo to go, seven or eight. I think if I remember rightly, I remember saying it was about eight kilo from Monday to Friday. So it might have been actually been about sixty-one kilo. And um, then you go. We had this shitty fucking tie soup after after the run in the morning, and it just made me feel sick every time I tried eating it. But I didn't really because it's all Thai food. I didn't really know what's in their food, so like the salt and all of that stuff. So. I was just kind of trying to do it like the ties. And then like as the week goes on, you're doing that. So you do the morning and the afternoon, you do the same, you get the sweatsuit on, tie oil run in the afternoon as well. And I think by the time Thursday came, I was just, I was dead. I remember saying to one of the lads, one of my mates who was out in Thailand, he was, he ran with me and I said, mate, I don't think I can run anymore. I'm, I'm too fucked. He come with me, I kind of pushed on and I, I've done it, but he had to he had to kind of hold me back to the gym, and this was this was like the day the day before my fight, and then I went out again in the afternoon, and I literally ran I ran for about two, two minutes, and I couldn't run anymore, and I I basically collapsed on the side of the road, um, I, I couldn't even I had no energy to get up, and I took my sweatsuit off. And I told one, and I had no money on me or anything, so I said to one of the lads, I was like, I need, I need some water. And at this point as well, it was the first, so I was dehydrating as well to try and obviously cut, cut the last bit of water for, for the weigh-in in the morning. So I said to them, look, I don't care, I need some water, I'm going to die otherwise. So they ran to the shop, they got me some water, drank the water, and I walked, I walked the rest of the, of the um, route, and I got back, and, I, and just walking, I lost three kilo. It, it was so hot, and um. My face, I've got a picture somewhere. I, I couldn't even put it on. I wouldn't even ever put it online, but my face was just, uh, you, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't recognize me. And, um, you know, like Conor McGregor when he was at Feather, uh, Featherweight, a bit like that, yeah, similar, similar thing, like just uh, proper bad. And um, then I remember actually FaceTiming my dad and I, I said to him, if they make me run in the morning, if, I, if I'm overweight in the morning at the weigh-in, I'm done. I'm not. I can't make it. I'm, and I've never ever missed weight in my life. But I, I just, I thought, if if they maybe try and do it, I'm, I'll probably die. So um, I, I got up in the morning. It was like 5 a.m. I went to the, I went to the stadium. I went to check the weight. And um, I was point like 200. I think I was about 200 grams over the weight. And they said, oh, you won't. They're really strict on the weights in the stadium, so you have to make it bang on, otherwise you can't fight. And I was like, fucking hell, I don't even know if I can do it. Anyway, I, I put the sweat jacket on um, and some tile, and I, I ran around the stadium. 
and I, I ran for about again about a minute and I was just puffing out my arse. I was blowing out my arse badly and, and bear in mind this is this is at like 7 a.m. on the Friday and I'm, I'm fighting at 6 p.m. so it's, I shouldn't really in that kind of state um I managed to make the way it just I had to like obviously I had to strip down like naked to make it and then um then yeah but to be honest I still won that I've still done really well in that fight but that was the worst weight cut I'd done is just wearing a sweat basically the way they make the weight is cut the water little by little during the week and then just cut it completely say on the Thursday and keep running with the sweatsuit on in that heat it's horrible it's the worst yeah, thing I've ever done I would advise that to anyone that sounds absolutely horrible so yeah like to be honest <laughs> I wouldn't you know like any if any young people are watching this and, and adults that was that was kind of it was just stupid it was it was proper stupid I've never done it since I've never really done I mean everyone we all have to wait cut and it's part of this it's part of the sport but I've never done anything so crazy since then and I've gone I went up up the weight after um do it through diet like it's, it's so much better cut down on the diet and then you might have to cut a little bit of um water but doing eight kilos from Monday to Friday is fucking stupid so I wouldn't do, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone like young because obviously like you're living like the ties and you know probably eating like the ties as well what was that sort of like with training so I, I ate a lot but I, I was eating a lot so in the morning they, they're eating like chicken and rice or whatever like they're eating proper meals at like eight nine o'clock in the morning because because we, we've trained so hard you, your body just craves the, craves the food but I used to go we used to eat around the corner from the gym and it was just like a little woman in her um it's like her little dining room and all the ties used to go there and um so I, I kind of ever since I started going petrol D I used to go go with them and it's like chicken and rice, like Thai curries and all, all Thai food like that you kind of see see here. That's what she was cooking. But there's no menu, so you just kind of go in and you tell her what you want. You, there's no no menu telling you how many calories are in it or what's in it. You just kind of eating. But um, nutrition side of things in Thailand is shit. <laughs> like it's you, you don't know what you're eating half time. If that's because I was living in the gym, but like I think towards the end I started like and I was with a guy called Savas and he started cooking in his flat he got his own apartment outside of the gym so um that's when you can actually monitor properly when you're when what you're eating but usually a lot of the I think a lot of the fighters that live in Thailand especially like the foreigners that the westerners they try and stick to what the Thais do but it's just it's difficult because you just kill yourself on on the uh, week of the fight just just by dehydrating so um yeah, nutrition. A lot of it's just chicken and rice, noodles, and stuff like that. To be honest, and a lot of water. But the ties, their nutrition. You like some of the best fighters on the planet, or, or the best fighters on the planet. You should see some of their diets. They're terrible, <laughs> terrible diets. In in Thailand, anyway. The thing is, people say you can't out train a bad diet and all that, but you know, some people seem to prove that wrong. Um, couple of things as well so, yeah. so the amount you guys are training when you're out there what's the recovery like is there much like rehab stuff like sports stuff you could do to like you know a bit of yoga that kind of mobility stuff or is it just you know a day off is that the extent of a rest yeah a, a day off and, and a massage really like there's obviously loads of massage places and stuff and um yeah one day off on sunday and and yeah you'd, you'd probably get a massage or two massages a week um 
and that, that was about it. But I mean, again, I, if I went back again, and I, I, I'm going to mention his name again, Savas is like he's one of my really good friends. There, he he was me and him are sponsored were sponsored by Petchendi at the same time, um, two Westerners, and we kept saying we need to sort because like, we were kind of doing it as the ties were doing it, but then we were just we were constantly fucked. Our bodies, our legs, our just everything were constantly fucked. So we kept saying like before I broke my hand, we we're like, all right, we need to sort it out. We need to start doing like we need to start doing some sort of like yoga or stretching, um, and doing some more like prehab or rehab stuff because we never we wouldn't if I carried on like that I was never my career would have probably been very short. So um, yeah, like I think from the last time in Thailand, I think that's that's one thing I take from the last time in Thailand is I was real lackadaisical about kind of stretching the recovery side of things. I was trying to just. Uh, as long as I train hard, and that's all I cared about. But it's not. That's not what it's all about. You need to really look after your body. And that's something I've learned over the years. That especially with my hands, like I've had a proper stinker with my hands. So that's um, it's made me realise I need to start really looking after my body and getting the rest and the recovery kind of sessions in is just are just as important as as just training my balls off all the time. Talk us through the hand then, because I remember you put a thing on Instagram, if you want to go into a bit more detail as to sort of how it happened, how you noticed, and you know, what's you done now about it? Um, so, I originally done it, it was about three years ago now, about three years ago. I did it in training originally, um, it was it was so unlucky, I was doing a lot, of, I was fighting a tie, so I was doing a lot of punching, because that's when I fight the tie, so I use my hands quite a lot, lot more. Um, so I was doing a lot of boxing rounds. I think we did about 10 rounds in, I was in, um, with Pan. And I'd, I'd done about 10 rounds, and a lot of it was boxing and low kick. Um, and literally, the last punch of the, the last round I threw, I was throwing a right cross and then throwing a low kick after. So boom, boom. And um, I, I wasn't looking. It was just shit. I was just, it was just shit, really, from me. I, I wasn't really looking at the pad properly. I was more focused on throwing the low kick. So I threw like a half-fast like right cross and then as I threw it I kind of like hit the side of the pad and my hand like bent in kind of thing like that and my metacarpals dislocated um so like that two them two they kind of popped out um and my hand just ballooned up it was massive so then I went to the hospital they just told me I needed to rest for a few months so I did that come back I had three had three big fights. That's my world title fight. And I beat my first current, like I beat the first current Thai champion that I've ever, like uh, I ever fought. So I fought Rungnarai. He was current uh, Rajadamnan Lumpini champion and Thailand champion. So he was like, like it was my biggest fight. So I beat him and then I went to Thailand and I beat another ex-champion. So it was like three big wins. But in the third fight, I broke it again. I like kind of punched. He was a clinch fight and I kind of, as he was coming in, I punched down. Form and, and the same the same thing happened again like my hand just ballooned up um and then i again i went back to the hospital and i said like that i got x-rays and they said oh like it's just broke and that's what they kept saying it's broke you just need to rest there's no we don't need to operate and i was like okay so i had another, i think another six months i had out went back to thailand i had two fights and even but even in training when i, I was training for the fight I would, i'd strap my hand up with tape wrap it and then strap it again with tape and I could still feel it when I was hitting pads like it was still throbbing every now and then and I used to say to some of the lads like there's something wrong with my hand I don't know what it is but like, I can just still feel this pain and there was a little lump 
on my hand. And then in the second fight, again, I'd done it again, punched, and my, I took my glove off after fighting, my hand just bloomed up again. I got scans, MRI scans and stuff, and they said it was, <coughs> they said that my um, dis, my metacarpals had dislocated, which they said that's, that's been the problem for years. Like they could tell from the extent of how they were dislocating by all the scans that it wasn't like a, a new injury. It was it was something that was been there for a long time and it hadn't been treated properly. Um, so then I got surgery and then I had, obviously I was, I've was i been doing rehab and stuff and that, stuff like that. We've actually, I saw that you'd done a podcast with Sonny. Um, I, I was doing my rehab with him and and it was, it seemed to go, it was going all right, but it was so hard. I was trying to make a fist and this, this index finger just wouldn't, it just won't make a fist. And me and Sonny were pushing it hard. And I was doing like three, some, sometimes I was doing like three sessions a week with him. I just wanted to sort it out and get, get back to it. And um, I said to him in the end, I was like, mate, like, I don't, what is going on? Like, we, we couldn't kind of figure it out. So then I went to a, like one of the top hand surgeons in London. And he said, mate, like, what? Because basically the NHS uh, surgeons, they... They just, they were just fucking me over, really. Like every time I'd go, they just didn't really care. They were like, nah, it's fine. You just got to keep doing the rehab. But basically, there's a tendon since the operation. The scar tissue has stuck to my tendon in my knuckle, and it's that's what's that's what's like not allowing me to make the fist. So I've got to get another surgery to release that tendon, and then I've got to start really like doing intense rehab. So I was booked in to have that surgery um, about three weeks ago, and then that whole the whole lockdown for coronavirus happened. So my my surgery got um postponed so unlucky but it is what it is I'll, I'll to be honest mate i just don't care anymore i'll beat him with one hand i don't care <laughs> talk us through like the emotions of all this kind of stuff because obviously like muay thai has been your life for as long as you know since you were <laughs> since you're at school so yeah almost have to be told that you know your hands like causing all these issues you might not be able to fight properly again all this kind of stuff how how how's your head been with all this kind of stuff going on so when when I first when I first broke it, and and when I second the second time I broke it, I was obviously a little bit ups, I was upset and stuff and, and the pain it was it was really painful. Um, but the third time when I actually got the when I got the operation and I come when the third time was horrendous. I was so well oh, so depressed and like I I remember when I come out of the ring and I knew I knew I'd done something bad to it. I just couldn't. I was crying my eyes out. I was crying like a baby. And um, not because of the pain, really, because I've, I've just given everything. I've given everything to to the sport. And um, I've, like like I've kind of said in this in this podcast, I've given my whole life to the sport, and it just it was just so unlucky. And, and this, this all of them three kind of times where the, my hand kind of fla- inflamed, I haven't lost. I hadn't I hadn't even lost with that in the ring. So I've had like seven fights unbeaten, and, and I've had three three this whole time I've had like dislocated metacarpals in my hand so it was more because of my career was going so it was getting so big but this this one injury was holding me back from from my dream um and then when when I started having the problems of making the fist after the surgery well oh, it was bad I was I was in a mess really like I, I wouldn't ever really I, I've never really claimed to be like depressed or anything like that but Looking back on it, I think from for the first three to four, for, I'd say three to six months after the surgery, when I realised my my fist like it was so hard to make a fist, 
and the pain is like even now the pain is horrendous but um the first three to six months i was i didn't really train i went up to, i went up to like 70 70 kilo i looked fat i didn't i just didn't I, I was just a fucking mess to be honest and um i think looking back at it now i'm not going to claim to be like depressed or mental health issues and stuff but i was really down about it i was i was broken to be honest it's like heartbroken um what especially i'm watching people i'm watching people that i know i'm i'm, I'm happy that everyone's doing well i'm not i'm not a prick but i should be at this this top stage because i've i've earned it i've worked hard for it and i was i was there i'd beaten tire champions ex tire champions i've i've been fighting in the stadiums and and i'm i'm on the brink of something massive and and i've been held back and it was just it was eating away at me um it, you know i'm really positive about it now but it's still inside it it, it is fucking it's a killer it's, it's fucking shit I've, like i said i've given my life to the sport um and and yeah it's just it's just gutting but it, it'll get better and i'll be back like i said i'll be back and i think I, I genuinely think when i come back from it this is the worst thing that's ever happened probably There's, yeah this and and my trainer dying probably the two worst things that happened in my life happened in my life um and if and i've got through this and i'm, I'm feeling really positive now and if i can get through this it sounds cliche but people are getting it like because I'm, I'm going to be a new fighter i can just feel it my mentality's changed no pain there's going to be no pain like this this pain there's it's going to be it's got to be impossible to be honest i mean there's a few things i wanted to touch on then the first off is you're sort of reluctant to sort of say you were like depressed and stuff because i mean you can have these waves of stuff i mean i get where you're trying to come from but you're trying not to you know put yourself in that same kind of category but you know you in your own right, you put everything you put into it has then almost been taken away from you. So you have every right to feel, you know, distraught and everything else that's going on. But also, yeah. a huge reason why I wanted to speak to you about it, so obviously you can take it afterwards if you don't feel comfortable with, like opening up too much about this kind of stuff, is for similar people where they're in the situation where something they're so committed to has been taken away from them for whatever reason, and then having that mental toughness as well to then carry on that same kind of mindset to come back because instead of your mindset of you know being like woe is me oh this is out of my control that's the end of that you're still like do you know what i'm going to get through this i'm going to take this as a learning i'm going to grow on all the rest of it it's so important to hear because people just see the face value of oh he got over that next topic they don't appreciate the rest of what you've had to go through the rest of you've had to you know get yourself to these positions go to the surgeries get told you can't get told this get told that and keep on facing it and you know picking yourself back up and keep going because it's so important that's why i really appreciate you being so open about this kind of stuff because it's horrible it's not a nice thing to yeah it's, envision. It's, 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 it's real yeah no it's it it's very true like i, I was, i've been fortunate really i haven't really had many injuries in my career like bad injuries that have stopped me really doing it but this has been obviously the, the main one and yeah like you said it isn't just the injury it's, it's the um it's the mental kind of challenge of getting over over it and, and even like I, I don't even still know if i'll be able to punch probably this right hand so something i've done my whole life basically i, I still don't know if i'll be able to do it like i said i'm i'm taking the positives out of it and i've had you know what i've got some i've i've got some really good people around me that have, have helped me kind of probably get through some of the worst times in, in my life but um but yeah like 
you can get I just don't I don't want to have the victim mentality like I, that's what I had for the first three to six months it was oh the world's against me like I was I was here and now like you, you can't think like that because if you think like that in anything in in anything in life you're not you're going to fail um and that's why I kind of claim I don't want to claim to be like all depressed so I don't want to be that kind of victim mentality I, just, I think sometimes you've got to bite down and kind of just crack on and um you just got to try and take the positives out of everything so it's a shit situation but the positives i take out of it is i need to start looking after my body a lot more my, my nutrition i've been slack over the years with like i said i've trained my ass off and i've given everything to sport but there's certain things that i i really probably lacked in discipline with with my diet sometimes and um with, with my strength training and it, to be honest even last few years i never really kind of mention this to anyone but even even before fights I, i'd be going out like dr drinking before fights and stuff and it's made me realize that i can't i can't do that anymore i've got i've got to really focus and um i can i can get to the i can get to the top and i can i can be a name but i've got to live the life and and this this was my wake-up call so i've got to take it as a positive i've got to take the positive out of that and and that's it's kind of i feel like that's i feel like it's going to make me and um it could have made it could have made me or broke broke me to be honest, but I'm choosing to take the kind of make me side of things, and I'm just going to go for it when I when I get back. But that's something that's so important because it is very tricky when people have certain conditions or like mental health things. It's very easy for that to consume them as a personality. Like I am depressed, I am this, which doesn't mean they're not, but it means they're limiting what they can be. They are they do have these things, but they're not. Also, I'm speaking as just a general thing, but a specific person by person, but that kind of this is who I am that's all I am but being more than that yes I have felt depressed yes I have struggled with this but I am more than this and then continue to go on from it and and again it's, it's just one of those things that is how you take these things in your stride and then taking more elements more seriously and then focusing on other things like like you're saying there about focusing on your nutrition and your like strength training this kind of stuff because yeah you might have got away with having like drinks before and in the fights and stuff and yeah, living like the ties and, you know, having that kind of enjoying the lifestyle and stuff. But again, it's the thing that's going to get you that extra bit is getting the finer details tidied up, getting the, you know, the right kind of food at the right times, all the intricacies. I'm not going to try and summarize in a, in a podcast, but I can't put, I can't put the world to rights just yet. But as a whole, you know, what I mean, they're trying to get things just, yeah, yeah, no, getting things a bit tidied up. Um, a few things yeah, just to sort of go with a couple of Instagram questions we've got. Um, favorite place you fought and favorite fight you've had? Favorite place, hundred uh, percent, Rajadamnan Stadium is my favorite. Um, but I, I have to, it's the favorite place because it was my dream to fight there because because it's like the mecca of Thai boxing. Um, but then the cool, I'd say like the coolest place probably ever for is probably Tokyo, Tokyo in Japan. Um, and did you say, what was the other question? It was your favorite fight, but I'll make a little um, pin in that Tokyo being the coolest place you fought. So crack, crack on with that. We'll come back to that one. What about, the well, you want me to, uh, we'll come back to so that. So Tokyo was a bit mad. Like what, what question we come back to you? The Tokyo one or the Come back favorite to Tokyo, fight? favorite fight. Actually, no, we'll go to Tokyo. We'll go to Tokyo for now. Then we'll go to favorite fight afterwards. I feel like that might be another conversation. So to Tokyo was... <laughs> Tokyo was... Um, it's just... 
can't put my finger on it. It's, it was mad. I took it. I took a fight on as my first world title shot, um, and I took it. I replaced Dean James because he he had to withdraw from the fight, and I only I think I had like a week and a half or two weeks training, and over and I had to cr- train over Christmas for it. Um, and then I've, I've always wanted to find Tokyo because it looks a bit mad. Like the whole, the place just looks mad as well. And then I got there and it's, it's like it's like a cartoon. I, don't, I can't even explain it. It's, it's just a mad place and mad shit's happening everywhere. And it's just a completely different world. There's vending, like you, you go to a restaurant and you order your food for a vending machine and shit, it's just mental. People are dressed up as anime. <laughs> it's, 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 it was just mad. But um, And then the fight, the kind of, I was fighting in Tokyo Dome and, and the atmosphere was good. And I mean, it was, yeah, that, that's why I feel like that was like my coolest place to fight because it was just a, the, the place was just mental. But yeah, um, I go to to my favorite fight I've ever had would be um, it would have to be Rungarai when I fought Rungarai. He was like I said, he was current Thailand champion. Lumpini, he he had all the I think he had all the belts in in the stadiums and in Thailand, um, and that was my first kind of I'd, I'd fought internationally. I'd fought against Americans, against all the Europeans, and I barely, I hadn't really ever been beaten. Um, so, and I'd, I'd fought ties, but the ties were a good level, but, but they still weren't that elite, that elite level. And I, that was what I always wanted. I wanted the kind of elite level ties because I wanted to be fighting alongside or kind of being mentioned alongside people like Liam Harrison. So I finally got to, to fight Rungnarai, um and I've watched him fight for years. And uh, to be honest, I was, I trained so hard for it and the, the fight went just perfect like I couldn't probably couldn't have went any more perfect and I won by knockout and it was that was definitely my biggest career win to date and he and he actually he went on I won I won by KO in round three but then after that he went on to have a, I think it was an 11 fight win streak in Thailand and he won fighter of the year and uh, um so yeah it made it even better that I beat him yeah because that was at the um Yokao, wasn't it yeah yeah on Yokao, yeah yeah, man, that was, that was quality. That was, oh, oh, mate, I cried. You know what? I cried like a baby after that fight. Like, just, <laughs> it was emotional, that one. It was weird because I, I used to watch fights and stuff, like boxers, and, and they'd cry after, like, winning the world title on TV. And I'm like, why are they crying for? And they'd just won. And that, that day, that day when I beat him, I couldn't control it. I just couldn't stop crying. I was being a, a proper baby, to be fair. But, yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. But that's just the raw emotion of it, though, because again, like you said, you put all your life into it, and this is the other side of it. Your uh, idols become rivals and stuff when you're in this kind of world and you're at these levels, fighting these big names, and then you know, eventually you get matched up with them, and there you are, you get the result, and it gets a bit more surreal, <laughs> gets a bit more, you know, tangible. It's, yeah, it's it's a mad, it's a mad feeling. Like kind of even even during the fight, I remember like I think round one, I was a bit in a bubble. I was looking, I was thinking, fucking. No, I'm actually across the ring from Rungnarai. Like, I've been watching this guy for years, and like he was one—he he was a, one of my favourite fights to watch because he was really good with his right kick and good with his elbows. And that was like—that's kind of how I like to fight with my, my strong weapons and my elbows and my, my kicks. So I remember in the fight, I kind of had to—I think I had to kind of gower that kind of fuck. That's Rungnarai because, like I said at the start of the podcast, they're only human, and, and I have that mentality fighting all the ties from, from like up, like going up the levels. So I couldn't treat him any different because if I did, I, he, would, he would have battered me. So 
So I had to keep that. I think I had to kind of slap myself and be like, all right, just crack on. Like you train, I train my ass off for it. And I put everything into it. So um, so yeah, but it was it was mad. Like fighting him, was good. It was such a good experience. I mean, that kind of concept anyway of leaving the respect out of the ring and doing it afterwards and all this kind of stuff. Who gave you the kind of mental guidance and stuff, or was it something you picked up as you went along with stuff? Um, no one ever. I never really got any men- mental training. I just. I think having uh, Pan as my tie, like as a tie trainer, kind of helped me a lot. Um, because if he told me I could do, do something, he he'd been there and he'd done it. He'd been at the highest level of the sport. So if he's telling me that I'm good enough to beat ties and beat these beat people like Ringler, right, then I can do it. If I just I just got to believe in myself and and just train hard. Um, so having him probably really helped. And then just, I I don't think the, I think. I've never, like I said, I've never really had any mental kind of training or kind of mind coaching or anything, but just having the right people around me and having having like-minded people that believed in me, like on my side, has always helped. Um, I've always had a really good, like I've always had a good team around me and my friends, my family. Like I've got good people around me that are kind of always pushing me on. So I think that's a, that's really important is having having a good support network um, and. And sometimes even because we all doubt ourselves with fighters, especially at that level, it's, anything can happen. So then times where you might be having a little doubt, my, my dad would kind of maybe say something to me, like kind of reassure me that this you've, I've trained my ass off and I've trained my whole life for this. And like kind of they always reassure me and keep me positive when I'm, when I'm sometimes feeling a bit doubtful. So, yeah, I think that's the main thing is having a good good support network and, and just believing in myself and being confident in my own ability um yeah i think you either got it or you haven't i think like you've either got the mentality or you, or you haven't and i think to get to that elite level it's got to just be inside you you've got, it's got to be inside you from from day one um and i think i think i have it i mean this is where there's certain things i wanted to sort of go over with that because it's all well and good when you're at that younger age of you saying like being a bit more naive a bit more willing to get stuck in but when you get further on with this You've got these world title fights. You've got these more significant opponents. How was the composure going at that point? A bit more when you're a bit more experienced. That how are you feeling in that pre- like preparation and everything? Um. Yeah. So with with people like Rungnarai and some of these top level ties that I've been fighting in the last few years, I think because I've watched a lot more of their fights and I've saw a lot more of them and I've saw them knock people out and need to need a death out of people and stuff like that in the clinch so i think it is always it's it's in the back of my mind but again i've i'm so confident in my own ability that i i know i can beat them and and i know my my game is just as good so i kind of just tell myself all the time that yeah he might have a good right kick with for ring the right for example his right kick is one of the best like he's, he's known as like one of the best right kicks but i feel like my right kicks better so I tell myself yeah he, he might right kick me but I'm gonna right kick him back better and I'm gonna kick him harder and and that's kind of mentality like anything he can do I know I can do better I've trained my ass off for years and I've, I've, I've like I said I've given everything to it so I know I can do it I know I know my skill sets just as good as them and um so yeah I think over the years I think again it's just self-belief and um I, I don't really ever think too much into it I, I don't like some people kind of think a lot in them, they'll 
read a lot of these books and self-help books and stuff and which are which are really good but again like i said i think you've either got it or you haven't and and um and and that's it really i think I just know that I've got it in me and um, I know my skill set. I can beat anyone. It, on my day, I know I can beat, beat any of them at my weight. So, um, and that's the mentality I've had. And I think with that mentality, training hard, hard and um, just giving, giving it my all, I know I can, I can do well. I've got a few just other things to just say questions or just like points and stuff. So say a few points you mentioned like the dream so now you've got these world titles you fought so many legends you sort of looked up to what is the actual physical dream have you got a a point you want to draw on the sand of this is what i want to achieve or is it just as far as you can go what's your aim for more time where you want it to take you um i'll never be satisfied will i it's just it's like human nature so like my, my dream was always to fight in Raj Damden, and i've done that when i was 15 then i wanted to fight Thai, I wanted to fight a Thai champion. I done done that, and now I want to now I want to fight even better Thai champions. You know, it, I don't think it will ever stop. I think that's just, uh, I think it's I think it's human nature. You, you're never happy with what what you've got anyway. But um, my my dream, I think now, especially again, especially after the injury, I've uh, with the injury, I, I've had to pay for my own surgeries, and I've paid a lot out, out of my own pocket, and. And financially, Thai boxing has been good to me in every aspect of, of my life, but financially it's been fucking terrible. And I've lost I've lost money probably in the last couple of years with Thai boxing. So, oh, and I, at the moment I'm going, I'm I'm roofing at the moment, I'm, and I feel like again, I was getting on that stage with like I was getting mentioned alongside Liam Harrison and and like the top fighters in the world, and and I was beating top fighters, top ties, and. And I, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. and I have to go and roof to earn money. And my my dream now is to uh, do it and and just fight the best fighters. My, mainly one championship is is my kind of goal. Um, earn, earn decent money doing it. I don't I don't care. I'm not greedy. I don't I don't really care necessarily about being filthy rich. I mean it'd be nice, but. I want to fight the best. I want to beat the best, and I want to just get paid fairly for doing it. And I just want to live. I just want to live, live a life and and through Thai boxing really. And that that's like my dream now, is to to earn and have a comfortable life through through doing Thai boxing. Um, and and whilst I'm doing it, I want to. I still want to take them big names out. But yeah, that that's that's probably my dream now. That's that's the thing that's always in my head at the moment now. I just I just want to kind of do Thai boxing. Travel the world doing it, and and get paid and and get paid a fair fair wage for doing it. It's a very strong answer. The big thing I wanted to hear from that is that constant need and constant chase for better and more, because I think that's what's got you as far as you've got that kind of happiness but unsatisfaction, that sort of want to achieve more and go further. And on top of that, anyway, you mentioned about one FC. That's another point I was going to get to about the gloves and everything else, like. Fighting in four ounces. Is it four ounces in one FC? I think it is. Or is it? Oh yeah, four ounces. And also having now coaching at um, Kraken MMA, I have any thoughts to giving MMA a dabble just for a bit of fun? Um. So no, <laughs> no. Um. I, you know what? I'd like to. I, I speak to the lads at Kraken, um, and I, I said to them once my hands are a little bit better, and once I get the surgery and stuff, I would love to dabble in, in a bit of the ground game with them and just learn a bit because I, I'm I get my iPad out and I'm just addicted to watching fights and fight sports 
obviously Muay Thai is my, my thing, but I've been, like, lately, I've been watching, like, AKA, AKA gym in America, like, their wrestling sessions and Khabib wrestling, and, and I look at it, I'm thinking, wow, like, it might, to, to the kind of casual fan, it might look pretty shit, and, and they probably don't have a clue what they're watching, but I'm watching it going, like, trying to look at how his hand positions are and where he's putting his, his leg, and, and, and I just find, I find it amazing. Um, and I'd, I'd love to be able to, I obviously wouldn't get on someone like Khabib's level, but I'd love to be able to do some of them moves and, um, and, and yeah, I'd like to try it out at one point. Um, but I just, my, my hand just, even putting press, so like, it's not so bad now, but putting pressure on my hand. So like, if I was pushing up, that would, that would kind of hurt my hand a little bit. So once I get that sorted, I, I wouldn't mind trying a little bit, but as in fighting MMA, um, nah, I don't, I'm not really that, I'm not in, interested to be honest it's, it's not really i'm not passionate about it I, I, I like watching it but my passion is thai boxing i think that's why why i've been so successful at it um so i wouldn't want to go into mma just because obviously the money is a little bit better at the higher level just just for the money because when you do that you kind of start that's when that's when i'll probably get hurt so i just want to stick to what i'm good at and and one one championship of uh, providing a platform for muay thai fighters now that and they're paying them the best we've ever been, ever been paid um and and fighters are living in off that fight wage and and kind of having a good life so um i think i'll, I'll stick to tie boxing and and one championship slot my goal and and it's going to happen i've spoke we've been speaking to them and once i'm back that, that's going to probably be where i'm at i mean that'd be quite exciting to see as well especially with one fc because a one a huge thing with them is the care for fighter well-being because on top of like you know they always say fighter safety is the most important thing but the way they do the weight cut and everything else there's a lot more genuine sort of care a lot more actually doing something then they said oh, i wish we could whereas they're actually making that extra effort that kind of side with things yeah. um quick question just out of curiosity so with your hand being the state it is now how are you managing to roof all right with um one hand oh, i don't know mate i just wing it <laughs> I'm, I'm shit I'm shit. Sure. No, it's my um, it's my mate's company, Simon. To be honest, I I just I can do a lot. It's, just, it's certain things like gripping, and I, I get by. I, I somehow manage to get by. I just do it. I don't I don't really want to do it, but it needs muscle sometimes. You know, I need to earn some money. Um, but yeah, I get by. But luckily, I, I work for Simon. He's a tie boxer. I, I train him, and kind of if something was hurting my hand, like cutting a bit of metal or something i'd say to him look i can't do that so he, he understands so it's, it's quite lucky and, and a lot of the lads that work for the firm um work for his firm do tie boxing as well so so it's all right well it's good people who actually get it because the thing with like working like in offices and stuff they don't always appreciate coming with black eyes and all the rest of it um yeah no no, no all of us all of us have uh, fighters so it's all good last couple faqs just to go through before we head off um, advice to a young fighter wanting to get into Muay Thai? Um, just, you got to do it. If you're going to do it, you got to love doing it. There's no, don't do it because someone else is pushing you to do it, i.e. a parent. Do it because if you love doing it, do it. And if you don't love, if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Um, if you enjoy something, that's, you'll get the best out of you. That's when you get the best out of it. And, um, yeah, so just just enjoy it. Train hard. If you, especially if you're fighting, it's it's Thai boxing. You got no matter how old you are, 
if you're going to compete at Thai boxing, it's 100% or nothing. Um, anything less is is when you can get hurt. It's a contact sport, even with the kids. I mean, they have their body armors and they have their pads and stuff on, but you still they're still hitting each other pretty hard for like young lads. So it's got to be 100% or nothing. Um, they've got to enjoy it, train hard, and yeah, that's it really. Um, and, and just listen, listen, listen to people that are above you, kind of thing. So your trainers, the, the people that are in the know, just take as much advice as you can and, and kind of con- like keep learning. Like I said, we, we, when I was younger uh, and, and still now, I'm constantly on, on my iPad watching fights on YouTube, like constantly. And, and just keep, I just constantly add into my kind of, my brain just ticking all the time. I just always thinking of different things to do and different ways to fight. And so yeah, just, just kind of try and get as much out of it as possible. That brings on to my next question: Is how do you stay sort of stimulated with Thai boxing? Because obviously, there are sort of repetition of the same sort of movements and the same kind of things. How do you keep that same level of sort of focus and discipline throughout training as long as you have? Um, I think it's just in my when I'm training and stuff. It like you said, it, it gets a bit repetitive, and you and I've been doing it a long time. I think I've been doing Thai boxing oh, what 13, 14 years now. And yeah, it gets a bit repetitive, but in my head, I've got this, like I said, I've got this dream in my head. And when, when it does get tough, like when I'm running, like today I, did, I just fit, I did 10 kilometers on, on the treadmill and stuff here. And I did a bit of training after it. And, um, I hate, I hate running, but like, I know I have to do it. And like at the end of it, I, but like at the end when my legs are kind of burning out a bit, I just, I've just got this dream in my head and like kind of this life that I want and um, I'm not going to stop until I kind of get, get that life, you know? So I've got, to, I've got to kind of go through them tough times to, to get to where I want to be. And I think that's just what keeps me focused. And, and I'm, you know what, I know if I kind of fall off it, I kind of fall off the training and stuff, my, my, my kind of fight game might kind of then start getting sloppy and, I, and I'm a show off. I love showing my techniques. I love showing that I've got, good style and stuff so I never want I never want to be that guy that has shit technique or or looks bad looks shit in the ring I always want to look the best so I think that's my other motivation it's just I'm a little show off and I love it <laughs> that's it you got to give yourself that opportunity to shine as best you can listen that's, Dan it's been an absolute pleasure having you on you're yeah. an absolute gent where can people find you um Instagram Dan McGowan MT so MT is for Muay Thai um Twitter same Dan McGowan MT and I've got a Facebook page uh, it's just Daniel McGowan it's got some it's got my name in Thai right next to it that's like my Facebook page and I've actually just started uploading a little bit more to my YouTube channel and um, that's the Dan McGowan Muay Thai channel so yeah man just if you can um, subscribe and stuff like that that'd be wicked and and I'm just gonna I always post my Instagram so yeah all the all the support is um much appreciated that's it like and subscribe where's the blog where can they find that uh, so I've got a website. Uh, it's not actually. So my website's going to be finished hopefully by the end of the week. Um, and and again, I'll, I'll post that on my Instagram once it's once it's up and running. I've got a couple of blogs that will be probably getting released when the website's released. So, and then I'm just going to keep writing a few more. Um, yeah, I, I like I like writing. I'm going to add some videos. I've got loads of good ideas for for the website to try and keep it keep people kind of interested. So um. Yeah, stay tuned for that out. 
like I said, that'll be on my Instagram. I'll, I'll post that with like my Instagram and Facebook page. So just stay tuned. And um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate the support and can't wait to kind of get back in the ring and start putting on sh- shows again. Fantastic. When that's up and running, I'll stick that link in the um, description for this. Um, yeah. Any sponsors you want to shout out? Anyone you want to shout out in particular? Nah, I need some sponsors. So if anyone wants to sponsor me, <laughs> um, nah, just just thanks to everyone that's like I said, everyone that supports me, um, all my friends, my family, and and all the people like my kind of like I said, the support network, and and even the people that kind of follow me on Instagram. And I get messages all the time, um, like really positive messages, and and it does keep me going. Like I said, when when I've had some tough times over the last year or so, some of these messages really do they do help me and um the support and the comments and the the video shares and all of it, it, it keeps me going and it keeps me kind of wanting to do more for myself and and for for everyone else because like i said i love entertaining so yeah just thanks for everyone for the support and um keep supporting and i'll i'll keep putting on them shows when i'm back and this episode is sponsored by mauler mma use code fc mma 20 for 20 percent off all mma attire and gloves Thank you very much for coming on, mate.